1: Looking round I find the sea, I think I need a change The rat race I wanna flee, my world I'll rearrange I'm getting back to the roots of how it's meant to be Growing gardens, picking fruit, raising livestock, living free
2: Good afternoon and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. This is your host, Rachel Jamieson. Join me today as I interview Amy Anthony. Amy is a certified aromatherapist, an artisanal distiller, a master composter, herbalist, and gardener. She also has her own podcast. Today in this episode, we talk about aromatherapy, essential oils, herbs, aromatic plants, and their use on the homestead. I really enjoyed talking to her, and I hope to have her back on again soon. I hope you enjoy this too. Welcome, Amy, to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I am super excited to have you on. You are an aromatherapist, and I would like you to introduce yourself and tell me and the audience how you got here and what it is exactly that you do, because you you have many hats within this (laughs) aromatherapy thing that you do. So can you introduce yourself and tell us about yourself? Sure, my
3: pleasure. And thanks for having me, Rachel. Um, I love meeting other gardeners and plant lovers. Uh, So I stink at introducing myself. (laughs) I always just like to go right into it. Um, But my name is Amy Anthony, and I am a certified aromatherapist I'm very pleased to say that I'm the New York State representative of the Alliance of International Aromatherapists. I'm also a member of Naha, the National Association for Holistic Aromatherapy, and I think we'll touch on those topics later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's me. I'm a joyful <laughs> educator about aromatherapy uh, and essential oil Just educating safety, uh, working with the plants, because we always go back to the plant before we look at the oil.
2: Okay. Now, I saw in the information that I saw, because I kind of stalked you a little bit online, that you you work with essential oils. um, You're also a gardener and you use aromatic plants. I'm saying that improperly. And that you're also like a master composter and an herbalist. Just, I think this is so cool because we've been really wanting to have someone like you on. So I'm really excited about it. And you tell me what aromatherapy is.
3: Yes. Um, I have a textbook definition, then we can riff on that. And I just gave a community workshop last week. So I have my notes with me. So literally... Oh good. <laughs> if if you were if we were in a classroom this is what I'd be sharing with everybody. So aromatherapy I'll just say this it's not synthetics we're not working with glade candles we're working with pure genuine authentic single source single botanical so essential oils and we're so here's the definition. The holistic and therapeutic application of genuine and authentic essential oils for enhancing an individual's physical, emotional, mental health. That's a it's okay. a lot to say there, but this is yeah. It's not a cure. It's not a cure because right. we have to do the work, right? We just mm-hmm. turn to these guys for some guidance. It's little
2: guys okay. in bottles. Okay. So, is aromatherapy always essential oils, or is it? Can it also be herbs, or like you had talked about being a gardener, plants in your garden?
3: Yeah, it's to so the textbook definition would say it's the essential oils. Okay. But my my argument is that I want aromatherapy to be accessible to everybody, and we always go back to the plant. So, mm-hmm. for instance, this morning before my coffee, and I was walking my dog, I was chewing on cardamom seeds. Oh. I wasn't putting cardamom essential oil into my mouth. I was chewing on the seeds, okay. right? So when we can make aromatherapy accessible, we can make an herbal tea made out of aromatics and get the aromatics into the body, into the mind. I could go up to a conifer tree. You know, you're in Mm -hmm. Michigan, right? A northern Michigan, you probably have lots of conifers and all of those conifers are emitting terpenes and that's the foundational backbone of essential oils. That's aromatherapy. Okay. So when we're by these volatiles in our cooking, in the garden, by the conifers, I argue that that is aromatherapy as well, because not everyone can afford to have, like, if you come to my office, I have like 300 oils here. Right, right. Who who wants that, eh? <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's like you don't need five bottles of patchouli like I have.
2: Right, right. Well, <laughs> and so tell me, like an essential oil is different than an herb because it's very concentrated. Yes. And it's um distilled differently. So when it comes to using them, I would think that one would have to be a little cautious. Yeah. In how they you, use them?
3: You're spot on and you used the best word to start talking about aromatherapy and working with essential oils. And notice I didn't say using essential oils. That's my training with really great people is we're not using plants. We're working with them. Okay. Concentrated. Mm
2: -hmm. It
3: takes hundreds of pounds of plant material to obtain a pound of oil. It varies by plant, but generally speaking, when I go and harvest cardamom, if I was living Mm -hmm. in a different part of the world where cardamom grows, um, I'd be harvesting just so much of that. And, my point is, if you were to take a cardamom pod or the plant, generally that plant's only producing less than 1% of that plant's mass is essential oil, Oh, less than 1%. So you're taking into account all the starches, the lignins, the fiber, you know, all that, less than 1% for argument's sake. Some plants you can get 2% essential oil, 3%, that's a lot. So the plant is producing just a tiny amount. We only need a tiny amount. Okay, so when I start to talk about, uh, I just made myself a face cream like probably uh-huh. last week. And in that two ounce jar of my gorgeous face cream is one percent of essential oil in okay. two ounces. So that okay. for for reference, i I even have a dilution chart in front of me. one two ounces, one percent, twelve drops of essential oil. That's it. Okay. And too much, too much could really be harmful to the skin. Too much could be overwhelming to the olfactory sense. So it's it's um a little goes a long way.
2: Yeah, that makes so much sense. And it also makes it um maybe a little bit more justifiable on the affordability end mm-hmm. when you are just using it very in very small amounts. So well, yes. so what is the difference between using oils and herbs? Because I see that you're also an herbalist. Um, I know that you can use the same plants, but they're probably used very differently because obviously I'm assuming. Well, maybe I shouldn't assume. I'm assuming that herbs would be like the whole plant before you distill it down into an essential oil. And then you have the essential oils, which are very concentrated. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so.
3: It's a great question. It's really important to make that distinction because the herb, when we're working with the essential oil, that's the the secondary metabolites or the volatiles, they're the terpenes and terpenoids. And a lot of people are starting to hear those words because of cannabis and that's it's thanks right. to cannabis right. and that has essential oils in it. So right. more and more research is being done because people are making money off of that plant, right? So that's good. A lot of people think the oils are woo-woo, and they're not. So essential oils, we get them from the aromatic plants that we could distill to obtain their essential oils. I'm making this distinction because you can have gardenia, which is very fragrant, very, very fragrant, very lovely, but it can't withstand the process of distillation.
2: Oh, okay.
3: Okay. Yeah. So there's a really big distinction there. And because um, a lot of people think aromatics, but uh, it's, I like to put that in my definition of what an essential oil is. So the herb and the uh, essential oil, the essential oils excel at working with our nervous systems So I could take uh, an herb like marshmallow root is very soothing, demulsant. You could eat the flower. It's softening, but it won't work with the nervous system. So essential oils excel. And this is a bias of mine. I love aromatherapy for the olfactory application, not topical, not internal. But they excel because they're so volatile and light and lipid loving that they go into the olfactory tract. We recognize the scent. It can actually go and work, I'll say with the mucosa in the nose. Okay. You're two synapses away from your brain.
2: Okay, Some so of the you're compounds, saying smelling them.
3: Okay. Yeah. That's getting into, right? The scent, the scent molecules are going into the bloodstream through, through, you know, the blood, through the respiratory tract, right? and then in through the olfactory tract, and you could have molecules go into that mucosa and actually bypass and get into the, I shouldn't say bypass, that's wrong, get into the blood brain barrier some of these molecules are so small. Okay. So That's the real, really
2: cool.
3: Yeah. It's super cool. But you know, I wouldn't, if I had, you know, I'm just pausing because like with, with your podcast, what you do, real food is what we need. This yeah. stuff enhances our lives. So the real yeah. herbs can do a lot. So I, I'm giving you a really long answer, but the essential oils excel with mood, emotions, uh, potentiating nervous system, um, things like, you know, resting
2: and digesting, feeling chill. I was, I mean, I'm glad you just said that because I was thinking real food. So how could essential oils work with that? And when you think about maybe smelling the smells, how they start digestion, Yes, like just smelling something can start your... Your, you know, your mouth waters when you smell something good and yummy. So you could use, in theory, at least in my mind, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. You could use, in in theory, if you're having digestive issues, you could use um, an essential oil ar- aromatically to start that digestive problem or
3: process. Yes. Okay. So, like I mentioned, I was chewing cardamom seeds today. Okay. You know, I'm always going to say, go back to the whole plant. But if you're in a pinch, like smelling lemon oil or many of the citruses, many people start to salivate. It does kickstart the digestive juices to to start going. Cardamom might do that. Ginger. When you look at so many of the oils, so many of them we cook with. I'm looking at basil right in front of me, marjoram, oregano, um, thyme is right in front of me so many of them we cook with. Okay. So I will always say, if you can go for the whole herb, cause you're going to get other secondary metabolites in there that help us, you know, the flavonoids, right. the carotenoids, all sorts of other good things.
2: Right. But because I mean, our, our body works as a whole, it's not just my hand separate from my whole body and, and the same with plants. They're It's all there. So that moves into my next question is why use one versus the other herbs versus essential oils or aromatherapy. Um, You kind of answered that though.
3: Yeah. But you know what, for some reason, this just popped into my head. If you're working in a hospital setting, a hospice, something like that, and you want to help people and the circumstances are different. Bringing essential oils into that area can be helpful for, let's say it's Alzheimer's patients. Mm -hmm. If you can bring an aroma to them through this very concentrated way and help them have a good memory, it's proven with studies and evidence that people become less agitated it makes their their life a little better in hospice care at the end of life. You can help someone just feel a little more comfortable. That makes sense. And they so might not sense. be able to access the garden or you know what? Right. So we can bring this highly portable thing. And if you diffuse oils in a very mindful way, you can have a diffuser that runs in a hospital. And people do this clinically, you know, for a few minutes every hour and that okay. can change the atmosphere and by the way one thing that makes essential oils really powerful are they are antibacterial and many of them can be antiviral and antifungal yeah. so when you clean the air that way you're you're doing so much you could be cleaning the air helping someone have a good memory to feel good and then also the therapeutic application which all of that's therapeutic You know, lavender is known to be sedative on the nervous system, you know, peppermint's uplifting and it's, uh, it's working with receptor sites in the body, the neurotransmitters.
2: Okay. So that makes so much sense and, um, seems so applicable. So how do you think talking about uses? So how do you think your practice of what you're doing, which is to me, a huge, um, It's a huge thing that you're doing because I feel like your field of interest is really wide. And I know to some people, it may not sound like it is, but to me it is because I feel like there's a lot to unwrap when it comes to herbalism and aromatherapy and and then using them the way that when I was listening to some podcasts you're on, the way that you're using them, it it really is a big field. How Mm -hmm. do you think that people that listen to the modern homesteading podcast would be able to use this like in a homestead setting, um, either growing or just using these oils. I mean, even with, I don't know if you're into this, but even with, um, using with animals, I know cats are definitely more, um, sensitive than other animals. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe birds are too, but I know that they're used widely, even in veterinary practice, holistic veterinary practice. So. How do you think this is applicable to homesteading?
3: So there's really so many ways to answer that. um first, with essential oil safety and pets, definitely, because some of our friends, like you know and lizards, the birds, the cats, they can't metabolize these terpenes. That's why they're a no-no, okay. So dogs can. Um, and I'll t- touch on hydrosols in a second. That's what I, I am a distiller. And that's what I distill for is the the aqueous part. Cause it takes, I could distill lemongrass and I could get two liters of hydrosol. That's the forever changed water that comes out cause we're distilling with steam or water. Okay. And then I can only get, when I do my distillations, I get out of like three pounds of lemongrass harvested. I'll get this like, not even a mill of oil. I'll get a dropper full wow. of oil if I'm lucky, okay. if I'm lucky. So the hydrosols, I'm just writing that down so I don't forget. Um, it could be very lovely. I work, I have a dog. She's 13. She just turned 13. Uh, she just had radiation treatment for cancer in her leg and she's doing fantastic. And when she was having the very bad part of her skin being, ugh, I was spraying kept my own distilled yarrow, and a uh, chamomile hydrosol on her leg with okay. two drops, two drops of lavender essential oil in that two ounces. And I'd shake that and I would spray her leg in my hands and I'd pat her okay. leg and she'd have her cone on so she wouldn't lick it. Ah. So so I'm a fan of the hydrosols. So essential oils on the homestead. Essential oils, I feel, are really private, and there's something you would want to work with intimately. And like, I love smell from the bottle, smell from a personal inhaler. Maybe you're diffusing in the house. If you have cats and reptiles and such, always leave a door open so the animal can leave. Okay, you know, so don't don't inundate their body with these chemicals every day. Just like we shouldn't be working with them every day. I love. The idea, and I do this in my garden: uh, plant the herbs, plant the aromatics to harvest to make a tea. You probably do companion planting. Mm -hmm. Many of the aromatics repel insects, and they often attract insects as well. So that attract the beneficial insects. Like when I look at my fennel plants, there's always a party on them. Just like yes, right? So,
2: and I love how it smells.
3: (laughs) Yeah. It's in coriander and, uh, oh my gosh, like, right. I, I basically just plant the aromatics because I'm a nerd that way, but plant the aromatics for beneficial gardening, uh, harvest for tea. Okay. So I did answer your question. Like, I really think the essential oils are, they're wonderful when they're distilled. We work with them personally in a very mm-hmm. intimate way and hydrosols, um, Are lovely. I use my expired hydrosols. I put them in my compost pile. I have worked with, um, yeah, and I like to when I get white flies. I have I like to put catnip hydrosol on the plants to help disperse the white flies and the infestation, and it works really nicely.
2: So, can you explain to me what a hydrosol is? You kind of did. It's basically when you're distilling, it's the
0: larger product and.
2: It's one thing I'm not really well versed and I kind of have an idea what it is.
3: Yeah. So you do know what a hydrosol is if you've ever bought rose water okay. or okay. You know, like yeah. facial toner or you go to a culinary shop and you could get rose water for cooking or neroli water. So when we take our poundage of uh, aromatic plant material and we have our still, I wish I had mm-hmm. one with me, we... um. I'm just pausing because modern essential oil, you know, uh, they're obtained through steam injection into a still. But if you're okay. like me, you have your little copper still and you put in Okay. Is that water- what you have
2: instead of an electric yeah. one? Okay.
3: Yes. I have traditional copper and I have a gas, a propane f- fed heat source. Okay. And I do have a hot plate I work with. Okay. Um. So we take the plant material, we take the water, and then we close up the still, we seal all the joints, right? So we have the water, the plant material, we have the heat. And and then when we cook slowly, slowly coax and cook, we don't want to overboil it, that the essential oil components, they start to get carried up through the still on the steam Okay. So when you work with essential oil chemistry, you'll start to see that solubility is super important because oil and water don't mix. But some right. essential oil components, they, ha- they sit on the water. They don't marry with the water at all. And some of the components can play with water. That's how I like to say it. They can play with water. That's why rose right. water can be really fragrant. So right. there's that. The water's forever changed once it comes over the still. I'm actually wearing
2: rose lotion that I made, it rose water, but I don't have a distiller. I just boiled some rose petals.
3: That's gorgeous. Yeah. That's that's all you need to do. And there's many okay. videos you can find online. Um right.
2: Wonderful. Yeah.
3: So for you and your audience, like the hydrosols are this gorgeous, old- they used to be listed in the United States Pharmacopoeia back up until I think the 1940s.
2: Interesting. So it's probably, I mean, ancient that we've used these types of things. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah very, yes. Very cool. It's and, just an.
2: Sorry. I'm sorry. And then, so so with this gardening, do you have favorite ones that you plant? Because, um. I suppose it depends on each person because each person, like I I have family members. I love to smell one of my favorite essential oils that I love to smell is, um, cedarwood. I just love it. My husband absolutely hates it. So, I mean, I think that, you know, we probably will each be drawn to a specific scent. And I kind of heard you speak on that. And so I suppose that's how you would decide what you want to grow. Unless of course you were growing for um, like you do with the white flies um, for some pest management.
3: You You touched on a really important topic. So I love all the aromatics and I've tried to approach my studies, my continued studies to be neutral because scent is chemical information that's all it is and then our culture tells us what's good or bad and then also we have personal preferences we have memories associated with scent because scent is so integrated into memory retention learning i'm pointing to my hippocampus in the back of your head um uh, uh, so we when you're an aromatherapist and you're blending for someone for let's say it's sleep or emotions whatever it is i um I'm just thinking back to a recent client. We were working with menopause and hot flashes. Gosh. So we were looking at a quote medical thing, but she was involved in smelling the oils I presented to her. So she would love what she was going to be working with.
2: Okay. yeah. So if you
3: don't like the way something smells, are you really going to take right. it? You're not going to want
2: to use it. Yeah. Yeah. No,
3: no, exactly. So I love all the plants. Uh, I so we spend time between Long Island, New York, the North Fork, and then Manhattan, New York. My spouse and I, and I can only plant so much, you know, because I can't tend to my babies as I call them. I don't have children. Right. I, have plant, I have plants. Uh, I have plants. I grow. They grow. Uh, so what am I saying here? I try to just plant what the deer don't eat, what can thrive out there, the bunnies, you know, who's not going to eat the stuff. And a lot of it is I'm in zone seven B. Oh, so wow. that okay. has its own, you know, own right. things going on. So you, I just gave you a long winded answer okay. but I love all of them. And I just picked up Virginian cedar wood here. I don't know what, what's the cedar you really like.
2: I am not sure because I believe it was, I mean, well, here's a good question for you. So I believe the one I purchased was not extremely expensive. Um, So that's actually probably a good question to ask you is, is how do you determine whether or not the essential oil and the hydrosol you're using are of good quality?
3: Yeah, it's a great question. So a caveat is i try not to be snobby so right. don't folks don't yes. hate me for saying this but please don't buy her essential oils from amazon okay don't buy them from etsy etc unless you that seller can be like yes this is genuine and authentic i'm looking at a bottle of juniperus virginiana i want to know the latin name okay i want to know where it's from Ideally, okay. I could go to the seller and I could see a lot number. Right. I want accountability and traceability. You want it to be labeled. Is it diluted with a carrier oil? Sometimes you could buy essential oils uh, and they're presented. I'm just thinking of the oracacia brand that you can find in many stores. Lovely oils, the really expensive ones. And they're expensive because remember the plants only produce so much oil, right? Right. So it's about the yield. So if I was to go to get the or brand, I think their German chamomile is diluted in jojoba, which okay. is fine because right. it's so, it takes so much plant material to get that yeah. oil. Right. So it says on the bottle, like German chamomile in jojoba. So read right. your labels but okay. you want it to be genuine and authentic that one species, uh, quality control. If you geek out on this stuff, you can start to look at GCMS reports on, uh, but from the sellers, that's gas chromatography, mass spectrometry. Okay. Uh, it's really cool technology where it's your, it's the chemical analysis. You're looking at the electrons movement and the, each molecule is different and has its own signature, but, um, Basically, I I want you to to take this to heart. So that cedar wood you have, when you smell it, take a drop of it and put it on a cotton pad, or I have a little clay diffuser here in front of me. You could put one drop and it should have depth. It should change. I always say it should be like a poem. It shouldn't smell flat. It shouldn't give you a headache. It should smell complex and change and move you. Okay. You know, Wonderful. versus a something with synthetics probably will give you a headache. It won't change. It will have staying power. If I put a drop of the cedar wood on this uh, round ceramic diffuser, I said clay, it's ceramic. It should evaporate and go away over time. Okay. Essential oils are not oily at all. They're okay, so that
2: volatile. Yep. So that, so that scent even should go away. If it lingers, yeah. then it's probably like, for example, your candle from the store that has scent in it is synthetic and that scent stays around forever and ever and ever. I don't want to name brands or anything.
3: So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am with you. Yes. It, that's the thing is essential oils, you know, they're volatile. Okay. They're that super total volatile.
2: Sense. That makes total sense. Yes. Yeah.
3: They're terpenes. They're related to when you smell frankincense or, or even uh, um, many of the resins. Some of them smell like gasoline. You know they're related in a way chemically when you look at the chemistry of it. But yeah, um, when you burn essential oils, a don't do that. <laughs> it's just so, I used to teach candle making with essential oils, and then I was like, why am I doing this? I, I, it doesn't make sense because uh, you're burning. It takes so much essential oil to put in a candle yeah su- some of the oils just have no quote throw throw meaning that I, c- I can't smell it
2: that it makes total gets, sense
3: it gets exactly. burnt up in the combustion process of the candle so yeah. that synthetic needs to be used because I've made saying. soap
2: I make soap and I stopped making it people kept asking me to have it with scents and I said I I can't afford to put scents in it because the scents are either going to be synthetic, or if I use essential oils, I have to use a lot of them, and most of them don't even make it through that chemical process.
3: So you know about essential oils, right? There, it's this chemistry. I mean, I don't. Yeah, but, I
2: know enough to know that it didn't work, and I was yeah. like, so my soap is not scented; it's just soap. I but it's good can for I your just skin. Say, I love you so much. So oh, when I, <laughs> I, I
3: have not used scented detergent in years. I used to put uh, essential oils on my dryer balls years ago. And I'm like, why okay. am I doing this? They, they volatilize, they go away. Right. You know, I, I did a whole, my paper when I was earning my certification was on cleaning and disinfecting with essential oils. And when you look at it, clean has no smell.
2: Yes. You know what? I keep cleaning, telling people that they're like, well, I want this smell. Like, how do I make my laundry smell good? And it's like, it's no smell. It's. I hang a lot of mine on, on the line. I know that in the city, it's probably harder for you, but it's like when you, when I walk into a home and it doesn't smell like anything to me, that is better than walking in and smelling that synthetic, which often gives me a headache. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's hard because, you know, we're not blaming anybody here, but that's what we've been trained is that everything has to smell good. Quote unquote, good. Wait, there has to be smells. Yeah. Yeah. It's
3: it's a trigger. It's a trigger. And I'm not here to beat up people and companies, but companies know like, Oh, scent is a trigger. It forms bonds. It forms memories and it's, it's associative. So, but clean has no smell. There's nothing better than the sunlight, the smell of sunlight on your laundry, right? Like there's a certain aroma of that. I
2: can smell it now. Just be you mentioning that my brain is remembering that smell. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And it's but, like if I could get my grandma's cinnamon rolls into an essential oil so I could have that smell forever, <laughs> I would do that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It does it's, trigger that memory. And they and companies know that. Yeah. yeah. And
3: we're as humans, we we have that association. And you know, I want to go back to that notion of essential oils being worked with really personally. So like okay. with you, if you wanted to make a blend to diffuse or wear as a rollerball that's cinnamon based
2: Yeah, to
3: give, make you think of your, your family, your grandmother, that is just so lovely. And we could do that for you, but we do okay, it safely cool. and responsibly and we don't yeah. need a candle. It could be so personal. Cause what if your husband hates the smell? You
2: know. <laughs> well, he loved her cinnamon rolls. I think oh, he would okay. be.
3: Okay. So, yeah, um, you get my point,
2: but yes, I did. I did. Um, so speaking of that, so you, do you do that then? Do you, um, do you do consultations still? Do you, is that something that you do in, and, and can that, because I know that I'm not sure if there's any legal boundaries for a th- aromatherapy or anything, but can you do mm. that across state lines, online, um, I know sometimes yeah, with certain practices, you can't do those kinds of things.
3: That's a great question. No one's actually asked me, oh. but in that sense of legality. So when we become, you can be an aromatherapist and not be certified, just like you can be an herbalist and not be certified. Or um, we, there's no schools with accreditation. You know, we're only certified like yoga instructors, You know, we don't have licenses to practice. So there's no overseeing body from a regulatory standpoint. That's why you can get away with doing shenanigans. You know, that's why we have things like the Alliance of International Aromatherapists and the Naha to create educational standards that if you're a school and want to say, oh, I'm aligned and approved by Naha and the AIA. This is what the school, this is the curriculum, you know, safety, all this stuff. Okay. I, d- I just went on a tangent there, but we can practice across state lines. Okay. We can't make That's medical all. claims. We cannot treat, we cannot diagnose, Okay. Um, but we can certainly practice and we could do so from an educational standpoint under that lens. Okay,
2: uh, wonderful. <laughs> so, um, how would you then identify a good practitioner would they be members of these these guilds i'm not sure what you call them if you call them guilds or association
3: is association. a good word okay. i think yeah thank you um honestly i would say you might know someone in your local community that works responsibly with oils and has worked with them for a long time and knows them and is not with one of these organizations. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say you must pay your membership dues every right. year. You know, there's that whole thing, but ideally you would find someone that is registered on one of those websites or um, there's also the aromatherapy registration council, the ARC. There's a couple things out there um, You want to find someone because then, you know, they went to a certain school, you know, they're certified, you know, they had X hours of training, you know, they had to take tests, write a paper, uh, do how many case studies and have actual experience. Um, But I'm a huge proponent because just FYI, when I blend for you, you need Mm -hmm. to be with me. I do not do remote blending consultations. Because I sense. want you yep. with me, so I could see how you respond to the oils. Okay. Um, but find a local aromatherapist. Go to a- the AIA Alliance of Aromatherapists, Alliance okay. of International Aromatherapists. You can find someone local. You can check them out. Ideally, they might offer a complimentary call, right. and you could have a uh, you know a ten minute conversation or th- whatever it is with that person.
2: Right. I I love that. That sounds wonderful so what yeah. if somebody grows up even at my age and says i want to be amy how do how do you go about becoming um certified and more skilled and educated in these topics no, I Is think, there schools uh, is there classes yeah 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 um
3: a the little i know you i think we're really simpatico it's like you're curious you want to be curious like I started distilling because I'm like, I need to understand this. You know, <laughs> I want to understand the process. I, I learned how to make so much stuff because I'm like, how does this work? You know, so it's the curiosity. So just be curious, buy some oils, smell them. Um, okay. To plug myself, I have a website with lots of free information on there. I have free okay, wonderful classes, articles, if you want to get to start to learn the plants and application. But honestly, like when I was looking to study, um, it becomes certified. I had this burning need to do so without knowing why at the time, uh, my teacher, she no longer has the school, but the New York Institute of aromatherapy opened on East 13th street, three blocks from me.
2: Oh, nice.
3: Yeah. And How I ended convenient. up teaching there. I know it's like the universe was like, yeah, Amy, this is what you're doing. Um, But go to the AIA, go to Naha, just look up aromatherapy schools. Okay. And there are online ones, uh, but go to those organizations and you will find linked schools. You can check out their website. uh, To toot my own horn, check me out because I'm a great like beginner's like lily pad. If you want to get your toes wet, you could read some of my stuff, take some of my classes. Again, free or pay what you wish. And then you might be like, hey, I want to take this further, you know?
2: Wonderful. Well, that kind of answered my next question was, um, you know, where do we find you? I know that you have your own podcast. You obviously have a website.
3: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: Share your information. And then I'm also going to be putting this in our show notes so that people can go to the website and and click on it if they're riding in the car and can't write it down right now.
3: I love that my, the time has flown. Um yeah. So please find me on um, Essential Aromatica is the podcast. Okay. And I uh, geek out with other aromatherapists to share their knowledge. And then I'm really proud to say I had this personal project I worked on that I thought would be a book and it didn't want to become a book. I have monthly installments I'll be doing called Luna Aroma, where I take an aromatic plant. This past month was juniper. Maybe you oh, have juniper I, trees.
2: Yes. Uh, I collected wild berries. juniper for making some ferments.
3: Mm, yeah. I love it. So <laughs> I, I I geek out about moon time. I pair an essential oil bearing plant with that moon time seasonal themes. And I have very a guided cool. meditation to share. So I'm really excited to share that with the universe. Um, it's a very special project of mine. Um, it's one of my yeah, sorry. I'm just that like, sounds la, wonderful. La, 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 la. No,
2: no, no, that's okay.
3: <laughs> um, but so essential aromatica, if you want to geek out with me, nycaromatica.com, uh, to geek out more with me, uh, on with the plants. I have plant talk articles and videos you can hang with me in the garden. I think it's important as aromatherapists know what the plant looks like.
2: Yeah, that, <laughs> that's very like true. Me? Yes.
3: Yeah. yeah, we could see these little bottles and forget, right? Who this came from a living being? Um, yeah,
2: I loved that you mentioned Yarrow because in my mind's eye, I always thought Yarrow was only yellow. And then this year, my goal has been to expand my garden. It was mostly vegetables before, and and I have some fruit. In the last three years, probably I have been expanding it to you know flowers and medicinals and. I stumbled upon yarrow that was multiple colors and I got all excited and I got seeds in the mail just yesterday. And I'm like, yes,
3: that's super exciting. Um, because yarrow grows wild, grows wild so many places it's often white, but then it cross pollinates like, uh, that, that family, that's the, uh, aster family. And then that cross pollinates, and you'll see different like hybrids happening with colors and shapes, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, Because of pollination, that's such a beautiful language of the plants with the insects. Um, Where I just wanted to give a shout out. Do you know of strictly medicinal seeds? That's where I got my seeds. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yay! I just ordered one of their books, and I got one of their books in the mail. I absolutely love their their product. I actually talked about it in a former podcast because I discovered them I'm not even sure. I discovered them maybe 3 years ago when I was trying to find ashwagandha seeds mm. which are kind of hard to find and it was an experiment to see if I could grow them here, which I was able to and I was very excited that I grew them here. And um I just love their catalog. I love yeah. it.
3: Yeah, it's a great. I've purchased um ginseng didn't take to or yeah mine place didn't do well either. I tried <laughs> yeah um I grew tobacco uh Me not too. for you too not for smoking I'm an ex-smoker yes. I'll never go back to smoking cigarettes um but sorry I got side no, that's but, okay yeah, great but so what great did you company. what
2: did you grow tobacco for and I'm more interested to know why you grew it I grew it for some for a reason besides smoking as well so
3: so uh, I was curious about it. Mm-hmm. I saw a fellow, uh, a woman who has an organic farm by us. She also has horses. I would buy medicinals from her, and uh-huh. a tobacco flower appeared. So I saw the gorgeousness. I've grown or- ornamental tobacco before, but I was just curious about it. And I thought as an ex-smoker, I think this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I have harvested the leaves um, to give to people for um incense I have a friend who's a perfumer and she's works sometimes with my tobacco as a tincture okay um
2: I purchase mine for a couple of reasons it can be a um oh what is the word I'm looking for of course I lose it hmm. basically it can collect the insects that you don't want other places so I plant it off in a corner of the garden hmm. or it to di- attract bad bugs that I don't yeah. want on my other plants. And the leaves are kind of really sticky. I was really surprised how sticky the leaves are. And the other reason I planted it was um in the past, not giving advice or medical advice here, but in the past people have used it or animals have used it for warming purposes. Um, warming. Oh yeah. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. So but I grew it for that. Plus it's just it is so pretty. It's it really beautiful.
3: <laughs> Unbelievably. It's- it's highly aromatic and highly resinous, but we can't distill it, but that still has volatiles in it. So yeah. it's it's kind of cool. Yeah. I'm sorry we got sidetracked. No, here, that's okay. I yes. think I
2: think our podcast is pretty laid back and and people are used to Harold and I going on little side tangents and and such and I think that you and I have a lot in common and we could probably talk forever about all these little things that we experiments that we're doing and um Mine is much more on a curiosity scale where you have more, of, you know, more of the science and such behind it. Um, but I just, uh, I'm really excited to go to your website and geek out and just learn as much as I can, because this has kind of been something I have wanted to learn more about. Um Maybe at some point we'll have you on again. I really, really enjoyed this conversation and enjoyed right. your your enthusiasm and the education that you bring behind all of that and the science behind it. I love it when people bring the science of all of these things that for so many years we have thought were woo-woo. Yeah. And and now we have science to show that this these things actually work. Yeah, so it's
3: true. That. It's a, it's really cool, and again, a nod to the cannabis for the, because things if it's not making money, it's not going to get the research, right? The data, right? Yeah. But I I want to share this to make this you know all about me for a second. But on my website, on the first page, if you scroll down, there's a little video on how to smell an essential oil. Oh, and i have a informational section in the beginning that goes through the multi-layered cake of an oil and the different things that happen so okay. i really want to share again reiterate that smelling the oil is one of the most potent things you can do to change your emotional and mood states okay you don't have to ingest it that's i'm going to say it's not responsible you go to the herb for okay. ingesting right tea tincture, uh, but smelling that oil is super powerful. And I, it's a challenge. Go watch the video, get yourself your cedar wood and see what happens Okay. with how you feel. (laughs) And that is aromatherapy. You know, it's, it's powerful and we don't need, like you said, you could buy an expensive bottle, but that bottle is going to last you if it's properly kept.
2: For a really long time. Cool.
3: Several. Yeah, some of them oxidize, but that's a, another thing the yeah.
2: citruses and stuff. But
3: anyway, I could go on forever.
2: Well, thank you, Amy, <laughs> for being on. And um, I'm so glad you reached out to us and asked to be on. I think that um, this is information that everybody's really going to enjoy. I love it, Rachel.
3: Thanks for having me. It's been really, really delightful uh, having time fly by with you.
1: <laughs> I think I need a change The rat race I wanna flee My world I'll rearrange I'm getting back to the roots Of how it's meant to be Growing gardens, picking fruit Raising livestock, living free Yeah Like Grandma did, sitting on her front porch, hunting and fishing like a kid once you've done all of your chores. It's summer.